Hi, welcome to the Overcoming Your Story podcast. Today, our guest is Tatiana Mangui. I'm very excited to have this conversation with her. Um, Tatiana, please, can you tell you tell us where you're calling from and introduce yourself in your own words? Sure. Thanks, thanks for having me. Um, my name is Tatiana Mongri. As was said earlier, I live in Washington, D.C., and I am 34 years old in two days. Oh, wow. <laughs> in two days, I'll be getting one more year. Um, so currently, I'm a food photographer, and I'm also walking, or working on, you know, building my um, my website and as well also working on starting a, a simple syrup flavor simple syrup um, company so that uh, we can promote we can promote African juices recipe but we're starting off in syrup so that's what's going on in my life right now oh wow that sounds very exciting yeah, um, yeah. so this conversation um, I had the idea or the wish to invite you when I heard you in a clubhouse room when um, in a Khmer Connect room on Clubhouse mm-hmm. where we were talking about many things and about our childhood. So um, can you tell us how you grew up and, um, yeah. Uh, I, of oh, my upbringing. Um, so I was born in Cameroon, um, but I think I stayed in Cameroon to the age of nine. And then from there, we, I left Cameroon not with my mother. Um, I left Cameroon with my aunt. And we just kind of country hub, whether it's from Italy, Spain, and then... Uh, we finally settled in France. Um, so just in a nutshell, a, a little bit um, how my life has been going um, since my since, since my home country and came up from Cam- Cameroon. And um, and from there, I somehow thought, oh, it's not enough to move around. <laughs> and I moved from France to come, you know, to, during my adulthood to come to the United States. Yeah, that's very, um, yeah, that's a lot of moving around. I also recognize that pattern that, um, you know, when you're younger, you, you're moved around. And then when you're older, you start moving yourself around. Right? <laughs> you perpetrate <Yeah>. the habit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I did the same. I was moved to Switzerland from Cameroon and then I moved my kids and we all moved to Canada. So um, so growing up, how did you see the world? Did, did you feel safe? Did you feel hopeful? Did you feel you understood the world around you? You understood the adults who were raising you? So it, it's it's... It's a weird feeling because I, I felt safe in the world. Like I didn't feel I was in danger or anything like that. Never. Um, I felt safe, but I grew up in a lot of unknown environments. Like, you know, think about it. You're a child in Cameroon. You see your mom, dad, you know, everybody's, everybody's face is familiar. The environment's familiar. You grow up, you know, kind of different. Um, even though my family are pretty strict, like most African parents and uh, they're Catholic and they're like by the books kind of um, um Life, so even though they are not by the books, <laughs> so that's, that's not that. And so, I, I, a lot of changes. So, I think I spent more time trying to adapt and adjust than actually really taking time to to understand the environment in which I was. So it was always that I was always in mode of adapting, adjusting, trying to meet the standards, you know, of my family in terms of my upbringing, and and in different environments. So you, I think I spent most of my life. Just, I mean, I was just going through things, you know, going through things. And I don't think mm-hmm. I really, you know, savored, you know, enjoyed the way I should have as a child. I think I, for me, I was already an adult. Being a child, it was not really a concept that, you know, that once we left Cameroon, it was just right behind the door. You had to be, I felt like I had to be an adult. I had to be disciplined, learn fast, learn languages, perform in school, just the way I was performing in Cameroon. I mean, the expectations were high, so I had to grow up really fast. Um, 
So I can say, now I learned a lot uh, in hindsight. There are a lot of things that are really great out that I took out of this experience that were great. For example, I can speak multiple language. If you had asked me now, as teenagers, I'm going to look at you like, mm -mm, I'm not doing that. But being forced through, to go through those things, I've learned and, and matured quickly. Uh, it's a good thing, but I paid the price of an adult later on because I matured so fast that I became inadequate, completely inadequate as an adult in, 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 you know, in my environment. So um, just uh, pausing there, you, like how old, when, uh, how old were you when you left Cameroon? I was probably nine going 10, something like that. Yeah. Mm, that's very young. And you left your parents in Cameroon and you moved abroad. Yeah. My parents moved with me. Um, I moved with my aunt, who's a great person, but I know, you know, she tried to, she didn't have a child herself. So I was like her first child and she had to raise me and learn certain things as well on the go. Uh, she did her best. I mean, I come in as a woman who takes on a child and has to, you know, fulfill her own dreams and take care of me in a, in a different world, different system. So she had a challenge as a child. You don't understand those things. You just see that, you know, um, over, over the years, in the beginning, my, as I grew in the beginning, it wasn't hard because I was just like, that's right. We're here. There's so much, there's this, there's that. I want, you know, there's so much going on, but I think it started when we moved to, um, France finally and we're settling in. My aunt had just, she met her husband in Spain and he was French. Um, and then um, they moved, we decided to all move to, to France and Toulouse was the first was where we where we settled. And that stability a little bit, even though it was a struggle because funny fact, I'm from the English side of Cameroon and and I grew up in the French side from the English side of Cameroon, but my French was terrible because even when we moved to, to even when I was uh, in Guala, mm. everything was in English. My schooling was in English. I wasn't, you know, the only time I actually really heard French was in the family. So when I was, I was you know, doing vacations, when you get to hang out, but so I moved to France, I was like, okay, you know, I've heard French before and I hear my mom that it was a completely different story from my course. Yeah, having some stability and just going through school um, and, you know, trying to adjust and adapt. Um, then it hit me. That's when it started to hit me that um, I hadn't seen my mom, my parents belong, my grandparents, because the people that actually raised me are my grandparents, my grandparents, my late aunts. My mom was always around, but she traveled a lot for work. Um, she would go out of the country, go, I don't know, XYZ and come back at home and then she would stay for a couple of months and then I was in school or I wasn't, you know, it was just, I, she's, she's always been a prison figure, but I never spent a lot of time with her, like a lot as, as a kid. So my grandparents, my, my aunts passed away, the one who I really adored, like I was like, oh, she's my favorite person. She passed from cancer. So I started to hear that the people, the environment that I liked, that I, you know, I, I loved was not there. So it got to the point I'm where- so sorry. I, I, my, my, my personality started changing. It was spending time in the room, just crying, just crying and crying and crying and not understanding, you know, why. And then, you know, how African parents mm. do things, you know, my aunt was really great. I, one thing I'll take away from my aunt is that she didn't mm, spank. That's me, yeah, there was that's no, good. there was no spank. It's not even a thing in our family. I can count the, the rare times I've been spanked. And there was, there was something that triggered it and probably not me for the most part, but something triggered it, but we're not spanking spankers in the family, which is for African families. It's, it's something yeah uh, yeah it's uh, yeah um, i think i don't know it's the first time i'm hearing yeah, that <laughs> and i'm happy my parents yeah. had avoid they spank is the last last you know solution to something some situation and so she yeah, so that's I went that she always tried to explain things to me um but again you're explaining something to a child that doesn't have the ability to understand or make you know and or i don't even know that it's not is that she i thought i think yeah, she understood sure. that, you know it was hard but again, without mentality in Africa, it's just like, just, just get like, get over it kind of situation where the, the do the do this thing where it's like, okay, we understand it, just get over it because that's how they've been brought up. It's hard. Yeah. Get over it. Like, you know, cry, cry for the two seconds, but move on. 
And so there's, there's that piece. And, you know, as I was changing, I mean, think, think about it. You're at situations where my aunt was just overwhelming me and for good or, for good or bad. Um, and she would call back home trying to see if someone who could talk to me so that I could change my behavior, I could be different. Without realizing that that was more traumatizing for me because I took it as a disappointment. Because mm-hmm. my grandparent, my grandmother would call and she would tell me things like, I don't remember you like that. You were this kid who loved this and that was going on. And, you know, it's like, you know, you, 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 all that guilt, all that, you know. You, so I felt like I did something wrong all the time. Yeah, and that's... I was like, what have I done? You know, it's, it's kind of depressive. Yeah. I, I think I didn't understand what it was, but I think I was depressed, you know, and de- falling depression without even knowing that that's what depression was. Um, yes, because going through that as a child, you don't have the words to to even labor what you're going through. And uh, it's it's a lot. It's a lot because um, no one, I, I, I'm assuming no one explained to you, you're, you're going, You I think you said it in the room that you're going to Europe for long-term stay. Yes. It was just like, I was happy. I was like, I saw my mom traveling all the time. So I was like, oh yes, I'm going. It's my turn. I'm going to go see the world. And no, it was definite. <laughs> it was oh yeah, like, for like, a child, no. that's that's a big deal, right? It's it's yeah. it's something else when you think you're just going to visit, and then actually you go for years. It, it, it was rough without seeing your yeah. parents. It was rough, uh, and even when my mom came and visit, it was just passing by, and that that really hurt my feelings. So I was like, finally, you're here. And all you can give me is two days or three days, something like that, because she was traveling also for business. So it just so happened that she was traveling. She had to stop in France. I was like, how, how do you do that? Like, but, you know, I just shut it down. I never complained. I never said anything, you know, and my mom, she just, I don't know. I, I, I would never, well, she talks to me now. She explains a lot of things now, but it, it is what it is. So that was just kind of how the situation everybody just accepted it as it is what it is and you know we will we will move on so yeah and i think you also mentioned that at one point your your auntie had a family of her own and so you you became kind of she a had, big sister she had, um, a responsible big sister yeah she had her sons yeah she had a, i think i was 13 14 um, I'm so lost now. My time, my time frame, but I was already a teenager. I, I know, and she had her first, her first child, uh, um, her, her first boy. She has two boys, and and her husband traveled a lot. He was uh, he he had his, his business. And he traveled a lot for his business, so we didn't see him. You know, not as much as a normal parent would be around. And even when he was in France, he had to go around the country again for work. Um, so I kind of stepped in in some ways. You know, I became the other kind of other parent. Uh, so, and I resented that. And I think at the beginning, my aunt thought I hated her kids. And it wasn't In which ways did you step well, in? I helped around the house, which we already do. But, you know, if she had to go to the doctors, I went with her. You know, little things like that, that, you know, if if when the, 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 her children, her first child was born, I mean, it was to the point where they left me with a kid, knowing that even as a teenager, I had it on. Like, you know, they could go dinner, they could do other things. I, to be honest, I did not mind that. I did not mind that piece. I did not mind that part. Because again, if you're born in African family, you just, that's part of your duty as a child of the house, to help with other stuff. And if there are siblings behind you that don't, you step in for your parents in some way, and maybe do those things. I didn't mind that. But if you're a teenager, you're in this family, they have their own kids. They are there together. Mom and dad are there. And you're this person that you know you have your family. You know you haven't seen them for, you know, as frequently as you need to. So you have to reconcile that feeling, right? And I love children. So it got back to the point again, they called my phone back in Cameroon. My parents were like, what? 
my mom, my mom was like, it doesn't look like her. She loves kids. Like, what are you talking about? But it was, you know, I grew very irritable, very not patient at all with them, especially the first one. The second one was just, I don't, it's, it's just weird how things work. And, um, and I was, I'm very direct as a child. So I would say things without realizing like it might be true, but you don't say those things, especially to a mother who has a child, you're critiquing the kid. And so I didn't have concept of that. I just didn't have concept because of that. Because you were a child yourself. Yeah, but I was, think of it, I was mature as a child. So I felt that I had a say in things, that I could give my opinion, and that, you know, I, you know, had my place. It was completely misplaced, <laughs> but that's how I grew up. You can't tell a child, grow up, and then ask them to be a child. Yeah, that's confusing. And you can't tell a, a grown up, yeah. Without African families do that a lot. They say, grow up, grow up, why are you still in the house? Why are you still doing this? Go find your life. And when you do it, they want it, then they go and infantilize you again. And you're like, which one is it? Yeah. You want me to yeah. be an adult, give me my sit on the table, and you accept accept everything that goes with it, or you let me be a baby, baby, baby. And then when I'm really an adult, tell me, go, go be an adult and let me be an adult. You, you can't have it both ways. And that's that little job, just my bubbly thing that we do, that they do a lot in African family, they don't understand that holds us back instead of pushing us. Yeah. Um, because again, you're yeah. an adult, they and want you to be. Because all those responsibilities, yeah. helping, um, going to appointments i mean that's a lot for a young teenager that's because normally i mean in europe i also arrived in europe as a teenager and uh, the kids they were like you know hanging out having a good time and not being as responsible as you seem to have been and me too i i <laughs> what you say really rings a bit yeah and so we miss kind of steps we miss steps where we don't beat ourselves. We don't make those mistakes. We don't, you know, all those things. We're there. You wake up and your day is planned. It's you have to do this. You have to do this. All these responsibilities, those are missed opportunities for building ourselves as people, right? Yeah, it, it is. It, so this, this topic and talking about the way we grow up is very difficult from an African standpoint because if you raise these questions, the family sees it as your, 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 you're putting them in the bad light or you didn't you don't appreciate how they raised you or you, you think they're evil which is not the case again i grew up i when people ask me today i i'm probably one of the few privileged africans who've seen the way i grew up like i never liked of anything i lived a pretty comfortable life you know i went to private schools and then finally changed and they put me they tried to put me into public school it didn't go well <laughs> but you know i had everything we had a we had a house that was big enough for us i mean granted that we moved a lot but i did not like anything literally i i I had physical things, I didn't like ever, anything. And, and to be fair, my aunt loved me. And I don't doubt that a second. I just think that it's just this, we're ill-equipped. Our African families are ill-equipped Ill -equipped in a lot of ways. And I, th that I just sort of, I even started to reinforce in my head because my aunt's husband was white French, a French white man. Yeah. So he has a different upbringing. And I remember sometimes telling my aunt, you know, hey, relax, just let her, give us some room. To go, you know, if I wanted to go out, I would dread asking my aunt. I was like, oh my gosh, she's gonna say no, mm. she's gonna, you know, or I'll have some ridiculous curfew because I'm like, how am I gonna make friends? And then if I did wanna make, she was like, okay, you, you can make friends. It was like an interview for those friends. <laughs> I was like, you know, I need to know where they live. I need to, you know, think about the European standpoint. They're, they're, they're probably thinking like, uh, no. <laughs> yeah. So, anyway, socializing was a bit tricky, but I did make a, one or two friends. Um, 
And I did love skateboarding. Actually, helped me make friends because my aunt realized it was a it was a hobby, and I was serious about it for a while. So she was like, you know what? I, at least I can give you that hobby. Um, that and painting were my two things because painting didn't require going outside. You could stay in your room and do and I could let my imagination just. It was relaxing too. It was very therapeutic in that sense. So she let, those were think two things that she let me do. And then you know, but I was always home by six. If I was late, I better have a good ex- good good excuse. Um, so. Um, just to pause a little bit, I I love your I love the even though it was not much freedom, but the the hobbies you had painting and skate uh, skateboarding that's yeah. so beautiful and unusual. Yeah, it is. I I when, um I really got into things like skateboarding, you know, interest in sober surfing, and I actually my first uh, job internship job when I was in high school was in a a shop that sold things for surfers, skateboarders, and all that stuff. It was so much fun, but it came with its challenges. Like how many people knew a black girl who skated in the city? Like, uh, I even got bullied for that on the street. <laughs> From like, you know, why are you trying to do white people stuff? Why are you trying to be like white people? You know, I was like, it's a sport. <laughs> I like it. Yeah, right. You know, it has nothing to do. White people do stuff that we do too. Why is it not a problem? <laughs> Where is it painted on the on the skateboard that it's for white people? Like seriously, yeah, you know, I got literally in the, in the streets of Toulouse got harassed by some of the teenagers looking at me like, "What's wrong with you?" <laughs> skateboarding, and white people didn't know what to do with me because of like, it's cool, that's really cool, but like, this is really unusual. Yeah. <laughs> and so, only things I, I lived on growing up, but I think. Um, but it shows it shows that you have a mind of your own, and uh, you know, oh, you yeah, know I, who you I'm are. Yeah, that's good. That's a good trade. But the one thing that the thing I think the word is overly protective. I think my upbringing was overly protective. And and when you're when you leave, when you're when you're being raised to leave in that wall, like shelter, everything just so that, you know, you don't miss and make any mistake. You end up, like you say, ill-equipped, not not knowing how to act when there's no one to either push you. There's no one to either say, okay, this is wrong to validate some of your decision. There's no one you can fall back to. Because that's how you grew up. You grew up with that support, with that environment that is all closed and locked up. We didn't have even, and my aunt was a very reserved person. That's a personality, so it didn't help. That you know, it was just me, her, the kids, and whoever came to visit once every twice, or family. But that was it. That was our life. Our life was: you go to school, you come home. You go to school, you come home. If you had extracurricular activities, which I didn't have many, you go to those things. And usually, on Wednesday, Wednesday afternoons, I don't remember how our schedules was in France. You come home by six o'clock. You're at home. I, I could tell my students, my students, wake up, prep breakfast or whatever it is we're eating, go to school, come back. And then we'll either, my aunt, they help in the kitchen, or I was the one to cook that day, prep dinner, we eat, have our family time, go do my homework, and get ready for bed, which I never did because I, I was, I'm a bit hyper like that. But that was the, that was most of our routine. That was it there. That was just it there. And then some, you know, you spend your time either taking care of other responsibilities or your school or, you know, that, that was just it. And then we did travel. We did travel, but we traveled within our, you know, little nucleus kind of family thing. And they were often because my the, my um, my uncle or husband, they're not together anymore, but he, he worked. And, you know, it was just, it was just the same cycle. So, yeah. So yeah, I didn't know how to reconcile these things. And I even, I mean, oh man, there were so many things that I did that I think about as like, yeah, that's just because I was just not understanding my world. And I guess, I don't know if it was a cry for help or just me not 
knowing how to digest all of that. I develop um, spasmophilia. I never had asthma before. My aunt has asthma, but never had asthma before. So spasmophilia is, um, think about it as an um, anxiety attack. Mm. It's the point where you can't breathe. You, and you can't breathe, get dizzy. I mean, you just like, you know, think, yeah. And initially they thought it was asthma. I was like, I've never had asthma in my life. I've not been like, so I was like, no. And they found, then they, I was told that it was spasmophilia. It could be caused by stress, anxiety, or overwork, you know, work and stuff. So again, what do we do? We ignore it. <laughs> you, you know, they tell you, relax. Yeah. Not, not well, talk about tired, it, right? Maybe you're overworked, you're stressed, and just relax and call it a day. And, and you're like, huh. As an adult, I'm like, that was this, that was a telltale sign already of yeah. me not being well, but what do you want? That's, that's, the, that's the body screaming for help for all the things that have been happening. Because the thing is, all these things that happen, you know, you, we accumulate them not only in our minds, but also in our bodies. Mm-hmm. And at mm-hmm. one point, all the things we don't want to talk about, they come out as ailments, you know. There, there are many people in our communities who start having like aches and pains everywhere. It's all those pent up emotions we don't talk about. They have to come out somehow and it becomes biological. It becomes like this, that, and then things we don't understand. And then the body is not reacting right anymore. And most of the time it's like accumulated emotional burden. That's exactly, it's, it's exactly that. But you just learn how to bottle it up and then you blame yourself for not being this, this level. And, and, Followed, the worst part is that I, I wish I'd found a way to understand because it followed me to my adulthood. Um, That's a great uh, point there. Just to mention, just to come back to something you said, you talked about when that our families don't like when we talk about these things because they feel, feel as if we blame them. And uh, I always say that the goal is not to blame our families. It's for us to do better as, as a people, as a community. And, you know, we can still love our families and recognize that there were some shortcomings that we have to hear from. Because if there's no awareness, we cannot hear from these things. Um, you are going the to cycle too. And repeat the cycle. We repeat the cycle. Without awareness, we repeat the cycle. Even if you don't want to do like your uncle, if you don't gain awareness or your auntie or whoever, if you don't gain awareness of what happened, you're going to end up exactly where you didn't want to end up. So we have to know what happened, the impacts on us. And I think that's what you want to talk about right now, how it impacted you. How did this impact you? Um, it impacted me because I think it um, it stopped me from using things, um, using my strengths to make it work in life. It stopped me from gaining confidence. Self-confidence was really a problem for me. And unfortunately, I'm somebody who, if you see me at first sight, I don't look like somebody who lacks confidence. I don't look like, I'm actually the reverse. I'm not going for the most part, I'm very open. And so people don't, when I tell, you know, they don't, they cannot imagine that I, I, I lack that much self-confidence. So I doubt a lot. Um, I'm still walking through that in some ways today. Um, I've, I've, I understand it now, but it's hard to take all of those years of of habits and just being in a certain state, even though you're aware now, even though you know you're going, you have to change. So, and I'm changing. I think I've made some progress, but there's still moments I have to catch myself and be like, you know, um, let's take food photography. I take pictures, and it took me a while to even want to post them um, because I thought they weren't good enough. 
I was like, you know, I don't, you know, yeah, yeah, it's not good. And the fact that in our families, we tend to, we don't know how to appreciate our children when they do good, when they excel, when they, when it's just like, okay, good, it's like, it's expected. You could have done more. For me, it was that, you know, if I got a 50, it's like, you could have had this. And I'm like, this was hard and I made it. Like, you know, yes, encourage me to do more. That's where I recognize the, you know, the effort that I've done. And it's, that is the biggest thing I still struggle to do today is that, I will put in some work and I, when people compliment me, I, I just shy away. I feel uncomfortable. I feel really uncomfortable when people compliment me on the work that I, I did, took the time to achieve and put out there. And I'm like, no, it's nothing. Yeah, it wasn't that difficult. Just now I, I, I minimize it. And that falls in your career because if you're not able to use that, to use your work and put yourself out there, guess what? The person less qualified than you, than you is going to be like, yep. I just did one thing, but I'm so proud of my one thing. I'm sure how I did it well, that you who is able to produce 10 is just like shining away from me. They get the position, they get the advancement in life, they get the attraction, and they move forward, even though you're more qualified. And I did not know that. So I spent a chunk of my adulthood not evolving to the position that I want and not getting things. And I blamed it on, on me that I'm not good. Again, it's a, it's, a, it's a loop. You didn't do something. You didn't get it. Let me blame yourself again. <laughs> so... Yeah. Yeah, it does impact. And from and then socially too, I was impacted by it. I, I did not know how to socialize. I didn't have friends really like that. So when I started, you know, when you get into adulthood, you meet people, right? And I was super protective of myself. Again, doing what I was learned, I got I got I left Toulouse to go to Paris, um, to get work, after school and all that stuff. And I didn't talk to people. I shied away from talking to people because that was my way of yeah. protecting myself. Like I'm in a big city. I don't know anybody. I, you know, I just took my love because that was a friend who was like, you know, girl, you're saying the study, you're going to find a job. Let's, you know, she's like, I'm going to Paris without confidence. I'm going to Paris. And I was like, I think I'm done. Yeah. I'll go to <laughs> And I went. But then I found myself in this environment. Paris is a different beast. Yeah, story I, you of know, my life. And I'm like, okay, I got to find a job and I need to stay somewhere. My mm-hmm. aunt accepted my aunt in Paris. Like, yeah, you can come stay with me. Then I found a job out of... I don't know if it's out of love. I do have qualities. I wouldn't say out of love, but I never used those trends. So I saw all no, my please. friends. It's, it's not out of luck. It's because you're good. You're really good. It's so hard for us to accept, right? I, I, I still struggle with these things. Yeah. And, and so then you sit down and you see all your friends flourish, just flourish. Even they're struggling. I know they're struggling, but they're moving forward. They're making some sort of step, you know, one step forward. And I'm just like, What's going on with me? Like, I'm, I'm working too. I'm trying. And, you know, nothing is happening. Yeah, nothing is happening because you're not doing nothing. You think you are, but you're not doing, you're doing the bare minimum. You're doing the bare minimum, you know. And so it just led from frustration to frustration. And and then I decided to leave. And I, have, I was speaking to my uncle here in the U.S. I was like, I don't understand. I work hard. You know, I have good work. I have, you know, very high work standards. I speak multiple languages. I, you know, I'm well-educated. Um, I'm cultured, like, why is this not working? And all, and he said, welcome to the United States, we're ready for working. And I was like, you know what, you know what, let me try it. But I still didn't fix the problem, really. I still didn't solve the problem. I thought it was because France or Paris was whatever. And I did not fix the issue. So yeah, yeah. I did know something was wrong. I was starting to understand that something is fundamentally wrong. And one of my best friends, God bless her heart with all her patients, um, it took me to lose her trust in some ways for me to understand. And when I mean lose her trust was that I did not know how to how friendship worked. I enjoyed her. I really loved her. And but because I didn't understand how friendship worked, I did a lot of mistakes in our friendship. And she was very patient with that. But at some point, people yes. just you know they try to push you, push you, push you, push you, drag you along to you know to what works. But if you're there not knowing how to seize the opportunity or use it, yeah, they get tired. They get tired. They get tired. 
they just get tired. And so she, she got tired. She's like, you know what? I wish you the best. And hopefully we, you know, about cross again. And she's like, but I don't get it. She's like, and I kept saying, I don't get it. She's like, you, she's like, you would never get it. Yeah. And I got back, like, what is she talking about? I don't get it. Um, but now I see what she meant. Now I see what she meant. So when did, when did that awareness happen? When did you realize um, that it was not external factors that were stopping you from thriving? but something that was stopping you from connecting to your inner power. Uh, when, you, when I started being in the rut, when I started knowing what I wanted to do, or not, not necessarily what I wanted to do, I had a lot of ideas, I had a lot of things that I wanted to do, but they were held back so much that I never really explored them. I didn't know how, when, who. I just think about it as you just freeze. Like I was just, I, I, I feel like I was just like, you know, since the age of 13, I knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur. I knew I wanted to have my own business. I grew up with somebody who was an entrepreneur, so I was in it. Um, but that was, I was discouraged out. I was discouraged out of it. Even today, to this day, my mom was, my mom to this day to tell me, you know, she thinks she's, she feels like the biggest issue she did was holding me back on stuff and, you know, holding me back. Don't, don't, you know, um, so you're this person who has all this great idea. That's, that's, that's a big, that's a big um, thing to recognize for yeah, her. No, we I talk about so. a lot and, and slowly but surely I open up on things and slowly but surely she's becoming more comfortable giving me her side of perspective, which is really important because that's also part of healing. Because as a child, I've accused them and blamed them of things because I did not know what was pushing them, what was pushing those decision makings, right? Yes, and- because they were not explained to you that, so you, you made a mind of your own because you didn't know all the yeah. elements. And anger, for me, it was mostly anger. I carried anger for such a long time that it's paralyzing. It's it paralyzing, it's paralyzing, it's confusing because you're constantly mad angry at angry not people but angry at your life angry at your family not not understanding and just frustrated about the whole thing um i have and a that question did you feel you could you could open up to other people or you felt a lot of shame about certain parts of your life and then you kept people at a distance um so i don't, I don't know if it was more shame per se i think i didn't feel i felt out of place so i didn't share much because i felt out of place and secondly, in my family, they raise you to never spill the beans out. It's like dirty laundry in the family, whatever it is in the family. So you also grow, I grew up a little bit with that mentality that what is yours, keep it to yours, keep it close. You never know what people would do with it. African people, don't tell your life out there because you know they're using it against you and stuff. Without knowing that there's life and life, there's people with whom you can share, there's people with whom you can share. And so, and I, I, people have accused me of that, you know, and they say, we don't, we feel like we've known, we know you, but we feel like we don't really know you. And I was like, what do you mean? I talk with you, I laugh with you. And I said, just like, yeah, but you're very reserved. You're like, it's almost as though you're hiding something. I was like, I'm not hiding anything. And I generally felt I wasn't hiding anything, but I never really opened up like that. Or if I didn't want to talk about a subject, I'll make up something and then you'll deal with it. And just like make up something and feeling the whole, like, you know, you know being, being, I was vague about stuff, even if they were true or not, I, I was vague about stuff because in my mind, I thought I was protecting myself. So, and without knowing that, that what I was what I was reflecting out to people was like, oh, you know, you all are just, you can't, you know, you can't get in my life. And it just, I was cold. They took it the wrong way. Um, we don't understand that was just the way, part of it is just the way I grew up. And secondly, I didn't know how. How do you share stuff, communicate to people properly? And then how do you know to who to share those things to? You know, and, and so you, people learn those things from when they're teenagers, when they're younger because they've gone through those meetings, they've had bad friends that have you know, done things to them, they have friends that have been different. They've learned those things. I did not. I started, I started being exposed to it as an adult. And so, when pe- so people could not understand that you're just a grown-ass girl and you don't know how, you know, it just they couldn't even go that way. So This is such an important point you're making. 
because that's the like the consequences of growing up like that and being very responsible and not you know developing all these emotions and all these interactions because then you become an adult you look like an adult but then you have like emotional skills or emotional interactions of a teenager or even sometimes a child because you didn't learn these things then now you have to make friends you have to know how yeah you have to be in a relationship and know how to be loving and then you don't know how because no one showed you oh i mean it affects everything in your life and that's the worst part we don't understand it doesn't affect one domain i mean my my friendship my friendships my personal relationship i mean i sprung up big time on all those things without even knowing that i was making a huge man i've had relationship that you know were fabulous fabulous that i just messed up because i just yeah mm-hmm. sabotage yeah i didn't know i didn't know what loving somebody really truly looked like you know because i i, I didn't learn i just did not learn <laughs> i didn't make my mistake i didn't learn from those mistakes because they were never they were never made um so fast forward i come to the u.s but the u.s is not a beast um so that that's what led me but i i started to do the process of understanding right but um i didn't work on it i just knew something was wrong I just knew that something was wrong and probably the one because when one to th- three things fail, you start to look at yourself a little bit, you know, you're like, okay, this person said, you know, you're like, okay, you start to really question, right? If you have the ability to do so, you start to question. Um, so I understood, okay, I have to change something, but again, with what tools, how, when, you don't have those things. So I moved here, but to start. So I moved here and the bad thing about the U.S. is that you're quickly in the grind. Where, where to start, it was just, right? Where I was in Europe, like, I did have some time where I could ponder and, you know, because of life, life is a little bit at a different pace there. Even as a big, even in a big city like Paris, you can have, you, you, we have our weekends and the job that I had there at back then, you know, was, you know, you had the flexibility. But I got here and it was just, welcome to America, you're in the grind. And as, you know, your life depends on your leisure, your life depends on everything. <laughs> you're just like, okay, I'm going to work, I'm going to go to school, I'm going to do this. You, the, by the time you make your head to breathe, three years have gone by and you don't know what you've done with those years. <laughs> and you're just like grinding, grinding. And then if an issue comes up, yo, it's just like going, going. So, but I still, I, I still wanted to try to, to start my business. Uh, I started a business with my friend. Unfortunately for us, we had to stop, you know, right before COVID started. And, and so that we just had to put down the side. But I still didn't take the time to deal with me. Like really, like deal with me. I, I, I was starting to really try to work on it, but not still not properly. But for me, it was like, okay, first of all, I had to make peace. I had to be at peace. And that's when I think that was the biggest one. So I was like, you know what? It is what it is. You've seen what it's cost you, it cost your life. You know you have to fix some things. Um, put all the anger aside. Um, you know, people have made their mistakes. We've made mistakes. Accept your understanding. You know, you can, that's some things you can control. Put it to, you know, leave it. Remove that anger. That was that was really great. That was liberating. Um, but then, how do you how do you change bad habits? How do you change the, the, the how do you fix the root cause of certain things that you do? Um, I never really worked on that one. I didn't have time to. It's the U.S. to have cancel other stuff is going to cost you an arm and leg. And I also had some health issues. Like I was just struggling. My stomach, stomach, stomach. I, uh, it was just a. It was just so many things, and I was just busy going one to the next, one to the next, one to the next. That I time just went by like that. <laughs> Chances for that, um, but it's only recently that that I'm really, really, really looking into it. And actually, I'm seeing a therapist 
they're all busy, yeah. but I, I, I stick to it no matter what. And she's given me, and it's so funny because I, I, I had a video call with her, I think it was when Thursday, yesterday, or I don't know, yesterday or Wednesday. And she said, okay, you've got to reward yourself. Yeah. You know, just like if you finish a task, yeah. even though you don't know the results, but reward yourself for finishing that thing. It is okay. It's just like you have to be like, yeah, I did it. I finished that text. Good, you, good for you. Good, you know, you made it. And then if you if you're working out well, you know what? Celebrate it. Just like she's because that's something I don't know how to do. I don't know. I I don't know how to to do those things. So she's like, work on those things. And so I also was um, told I had a ADD or HDD. Oh my god, those names are complicated. I'm just hyperactive. So I have a hyperactive problem. Mm, yeah. Um, and that's yeah. just that's. Pretty much happened since I was a kid, but um, yeah. So I, I'm gonna make those steps, and I think making those steps will yeah. be a game changer for me. Uh, it will be. I mean, I think it's gonna. You just. I think it's gonna open up a lot of things that I was not open. Was not able to open or channel properly. And also, um, the reason why I had to cancel and I was going. I've been busy too. It's like I also got diagnosed with a polycystic kidney disease. Um, so that is just starting to open my eyes. Like, you know, girl, you're sitting here going, living life past you by when oh, so sorry. life will get up to you and you, you might not have the abilities that you have today, you know, because there's no cure for it. Eventually, at some point, it's going to cause a lot of issues with my kidneys. But um, oh, sorry. Um, so I'm in a better place. I think I'm in a place where I can work on those things. But again, talking about our upbringing, my dad had it. I didn't know. Nobody tells you those things. Nobody discuss those yeah. things. <laughs> I, I always I always say whenever I get to speak, I'm I'm like go back to your families, ask aunties, grandmas, mom, dad, ask everyone about your yes. family story. Ask them. If they don't want to talk about it, insist it's important first for our health to know like even the, the diseases we have in our families. Most of the time we don't know. And even knowing our stories. You know, what stories do we tell our children? Do we tell, you know, other kids who we come up in the family? We have to know these stories. Even if they are difficult, we have to find a way to be able to talk about them and process them ourselves so that we will be able to, to share. Yeah. And that's freeing too, right? Yeah, I think most of our family, uh, African families have to stop being in the grind. Because that's survival too. All of this is pushed by survival. So part of it is it's explained by survival. We, yeah, it's survival. We come from countries where you constantly have to think about where your next meal is going to be. Exactly. We live in the instant a lot. We live yeah. in the instant so much so that we have some African. I know some people in Cameroon that were very successful, earned a lot of money that could have been enough for them to live a long life, but they didn't because it's a day-to-day mentality. Nobody says, nobody talks. You know, nobody plans ahead. Nobody sees. You know, 10 years ahead, I was like, oh, no, 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 no. First, I need to know how the week is going to end, how much money, how much money I'll make. They have the jankies, but I was, my mom hates when I talk about those things, but it's like, janky does not move you forward. Janky is a temporary thing yeah. for a temporary moment. Yeah. It's not a bank. Yeah. It's not a financial institution. It's not yeah. something that will multiply. It's, money. A, it's a short term. It's a short term solution. It's sort of yeah. a purpose. If you, if you have a, a, a project that you need to start and you want, you need to start with some amount of cash, good. But let it be for that. But don't don't jank if you don't plan, if you don't use janking to have a long term financial plan, there's no point of janking. Yeah. There's just yeah. no point. And you touch on a very important point there. Um, many families, even including my family, from what my mom used to tell me where 
when the dad was alive, healthy and working and thriving in business, they, they, they never imagined that one day they would lack money and they, they, they get, they fall and they get to the point where like even having money to feed themselves properly is a problem. And, and that's what, that's lack of financial planning, um, you know, saving, investing and, and yeah, that we have to change because kids, then, then these patriarchs, they, they die and mm-hmm. they leave kids and then there's no one to pay for school fees, you know, then the kids, they're even worse off than them. But again, it's that surviving, right? That's not how it should go. Our kids should be. Surviving the moment, in the moment. So that, that unfortunately leads to decisions that affect a lot of their lives and the kids, the next generation's life. So yeah, it's that surviving. Again, I'm all for trying to, to change to change the, the narrative, to change all that, but you change by also knowing what happened, understanding the past, right? Yes. By having your parents explain to you why did the things that it did. Yes. Why? Because you might be thinking you're changing, but in fact you're repeating what it did because you didn't know that those things didn't work. Exactly. You know, so yeah. even just for that, yeah. even just for that. So, yeah. so again, that understanding those things had led, have led me to be much more soft mm. with, with family, my family in general, like to be less harsh. Because because you, you're hard because you have anger. You're hard because you have frustration. You're hard because you, you feel like you weren't treated the way you should have been treated, right? But understanding that, I'm just like, oh, well, you know what? You know, I get it. I'm just like, no, I get it. It's it's, it's unfortunate that mm-hmm. it had to happen this way, but I get it. I You know, there's there's a lot of components that come into where people are. Um, I get it. So now that I know it, now I understand where and why. It's, it's up to me now to try to fix me. Now that I understand, it would be worse if I understood those things and knew those things and I didn't try to change. Now it's a very difficult process. I won't lie. It's, it's a very difficult process, but I have to see it in a way that I have to see it as I do have the opportunity to do it. So do it. No matter how hard it is, I, it might, I'm going to change all, but a good percentage I'll be in a good place. So that's the goal. The goal is, is for that. Um, and I wish that more, I'm, I'm happy to see the more African kids doing that work. Yeah, but I don't think it's still a lot. Yeah, that, I don't think it's still a lot. I, I think a lot of us are still struggling dealing with the con, you know, with that, the construct of that kind of living. And what makes it worse is that we're not in Cameroon or any other African country. For Black home, this would be okay, but we're living in societies that have different way of functioning, different different systems, and we're bringing that 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 baggage in there. It's not going yeah. to work. It's yeah. just not going to work. Yeah, but um, um, thank you so much. I uh, I congratulate you for you know take embarking on this journey this healing journey it's i i always say it, it's a lifelong journey you know at some points we do more healing some points more living and then at and then we need more healing at another point but yeah i think awareness is privilege and you're aware of you know the work you have to do so i'm very happy for you and um can you tell our listeners where they can find you online um oh it's a complicated one to pronounce but i didn't have any options on instagram <laughs> to pronounce it different so it's latelier dc so it's like if you speak french you understand but for those who don't speak french it's l-a-t-i-e-r-d-c so you can find me on instagram the website will be coming up soon um but um, i'm mostly present for now just on instagram so any last word? Um, yes. Well, first of all, thank you for having me and discussing this. And I just hope that we find it in our special our generation to try to understand our backgrounds, try to understand where we come from so that we can do better and better ourselves as well. So, and that's all I wish for. We deserve it. Our parents deserve it. So 
Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, yeah, Latelier DC, I love your photos. You're a great photographer. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs>